The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on what is absolutely a totally lovely fall evening here in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Uh, I have a really lovely office that has kind of a a deck out on the back, and so I've spent a little time uh, doing some work out on the back of the office today on the deck and also feeling really, really pumped up because I just got through delivering my comprehensive course in New York City last week. So yes, I'm tired, but yes, I'm very excited to be doing this show. Uh, Want to welcome all of you to the show and also want to welcome today my very special guest. Uh, Today, my guest is Heather Townsend. Heather, welcome to the show. Thanks, Marie. It's great to be here. For those of you who might not know, Heather Townsend is the Director of Education and Healthcare Design at Innovation. That is, as many of you might know, the Penguin people. So by way of full disclosure, we would like you to know that Heather does work for Crush Innovation, but she's actually not here to talk about product today. She's here today to talk about warming and thawing milk. The first time that I met Heather, I remember thinking, oh yeah, warming and thawing, I know this stuff inside and outside, I've taught this stuff, yada, yada, yada. And here was Heather, who just had so much information that she was telling me about thawing and warming that I thought, you know... This woman has a lot of good information, and she knows the literature behind it. And I bet you there's a whole flock of people out there who don't know everything that Heather could share with us. So what we'd really like to be able to do today is to help all of you to become a little more aware of issues as related to warming and thawing. Now, we all know that many mothers express their milk and then store their milk in the refrigerator or the freezer. Now, certainly, if you've got the baby, as my husband would say, breastfeeding directly from the tap, then maybe this show isn't so much interesting for you. But I think with so many of you that are going back to work or you have perhaps a premature baby that's in the NICU, the NICU, this show will be an especially important one for you because we will talk about the um, the, war- the thawing and warming. And this is a good place for me to say, you know how Heather got involved in this, is that Heather's niece actually was a premature baby. So she's very passionate about talking about the finer points of warming and thawing that I think many of you will find that you might not have known. Now, if you have a full-term baby and you're storing your milk to go back to work, some of what Heather says is going to be important to you. If you have a baby who is premature and in the NICU, everything that Heather says is going to be important to you. And we'll try to differentiate those times when we're talking about the nice to have versus the need to have, because as you might imagine, you know, preterm kids really need like the ideal everything. The term kids, eh, you know, we can come close with some of these things, but we don't necessarily need to be quite as exact. So as I was talking with Heather before we, she came on the show, 
she told me that as she travels around the country, she's seen a number of different devices that and methods that have been used for thawing and warming milk. And she named some that, of course, I already knew, and a few that I kind of rolled my eyes and said, oh, my word, I don't believe people are really doing this. Oh, yes, they're really doing this. So I asked Heather if she would talk about warming the milk in a cup of water, and uh, which, by the way, many of us, I mean, I've done that like a gazillion times in my life for preterm babies, uh, but also using the instant hot spigot, hot water spigot. Some people have used coffee pot water, to my utter astonishment, Heather just recently saw a nurse who was using a microwave to warm the milk. And of course, you know, my first thought is, are you kidding me? I can't believe that anybody's actually still doing that in the year 2014. But in fact, she did. She saw it uh, just a few months ago. Uh, but other things, too. Things like crock pots people have used to warm their milk. And then I'm going to ask Heather to talk a little bit about the devices. And in the device category, we've really got sort of two big things. We've got what I would call bottle warmers. And those are the things that you can buy in the big box uh, stores like Babies or Russ or one of those places. And then you have what I would call hospital grade milk warmers. So Heather, can you start at the top of this list and tell us well, I, I want to skip over the cup of water part for just a little bit because that is fairly common, but we'll talk a little bit about the actual steps for that. Uh, tell us about people using the hot water spigot. Uh, I assume that there the problem is that the water is, is too hot? Yes, Marie, it is. Um, those instant hot water spigots or the coffee pot water, um, those can get upwards of over 200 degrees. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, so I didn't you, realize that it does. Um, and you want to make sure that no matter what warming method you're using, you're keeping your heat at a very low temperature. Uh, and what what is recommended is below 120 degrees. All right. So below 120 degrees is what is the ideal. And I, I have to say to you, I didn't realize that the coffee pot was uh, 200 degrees. Have you really seen people using coffee pot or, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to think like, like, you mean they've got one of those little hot pots or they're using other stuff? They are. I actually did a training where I started the training just talking about, you know, where do they get the, the nurses, where do they get their hot water from? And I actually had a nurse look at me and said, well, you see the Keurig coffee pot over there? That's where we get our hot water from. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Oh, that that just blows my mind because, like, honestly, I would never even think of that. But, um, okay, well, now we uh, got to wonder about all the things that are going on in the break rooms, I guess. Uh, Heather, I was astonished when you said that a nurse, a registered nurse in this day and age was using a microwave. Can you tell our listeners why that is so not a good idea? Well, to not get real technical about it, uh, number one, the microwave causes hot spots. Yes. Uh, so it's very inconsistent warming, um, as well as it gets way too hot, not only for the plastic feeding container, but the milk itself gets extremely hot, uh, yes. which is not good uh for for the babies that uh, you have you can potentially burn the inside of their mouth um so that is definitely something that should not be happening and while i thought those days were over oh, sadly yeah. they're not holy moly uh actually i just want to add heather also some people may not know this the microwave also affects some of the components of the milk so although there was a baby that had his palate burned, I'm really thinking that study was like in the 1980s, but it's more than just the hot spot and the burning. So uh, I, I, I just, I'm astonished to hear that anybody would be doing this, but it, the, I guess that means we really need to talk about it on this show. 
Heather, I, I didn't get it when you told me you've seen people use a crock pot because I was thinking, oh man, I've heard a lot of things, but how are they using the crock pot to warm the milk? I'm trying to visualize that. Can you paint a picture for us? Sure. Um, what I have seen is they take the crock pot. Um, usually it's one of the the round, the smaller round ones. Oh, and they, uh -huh. fill, they fill it with water and then they take the bottle or volume feed and they put it directly down into the water. And they let, I have seen it sit somewhere upwards of six, seven hours. They keep the bottles in there just warming, which is not a good idea. No, no, not at all. So I guess they're thinking they're going to slow cook the milk. Oh dear, I sound so cynical, but uh, I have never heard of that. It's certainly not evidence-based and no, that's just not a good idea. Not at all. No. Uh, Heather, help us with the difference. Like, I want parents to understand that if they have a preterm baby and the baby is in the hospital, they may very well have seen devices that are used that would be what I would call hospital grade mm -hmm. for warming the milk. But help us to understand how those are different than those bottle warmers. Like the bottle warmer that you buy in one of the department stores or big box stores, those are not like just a junior milk warmer. They're, they're a totally different piece of property. Can you explain some of the similarities and some of the differences between the hospital grade and the kind of home version, which is really not home version. It's really a whole other product. Sure. The home version, um, what's out, what's, what you'll find out there are what I term uh, steam warmers. Okay. So you put the, your bottle or your volume feed into the warmer and it applies steam as the method of warming that bottle or that feeding. Uh, the issue with that is that they, those warmers get upwards of 300, 326 degrees worth of hot steam, um, which there are many issues that go uh, into, into play with that. Uh, with our hospital grade, um, the warmers that are out there, um, there are basically two different devices. There is one that uses um, water as the energy transfer medium. So the, while the feeding is not directly exposed to water and it actually sits in a waterless uh, liner, so it sits in a it doesn't come in contact with the water. It has a little jacket around it. Correct. Okay. Um, and then there is another warmer out there that uses air. Both of those devices have gone through many um, different stages of testing and safety certification. And while I definitely know more about one than the other, what I will say is that as a parent, and I and I will speak as, as the aunt of you know, of my niece, if she was in the NICU now, I would very much be asking the nurses, how are you warming her feeding? Because I want to make sure that her feeding is always kept safe and warmed appropriately and not exposing that feeding to high heat. And really the only way to effectively warm a liquid is by using another liquid to warm. So- okay. You think about kangaroo care, uh, skin to skin is the best way to warm that baby. Mom's a body of water and so is that baby. Same thing when you're doing, same thing with warming. A liquid to liquid transfer is the best way to warm. I mean, my daughter last year uh, in science class. Came Heather, home. excuse me. Um, we're coming right up to a break. Hold those thoughts and everybody don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. I have with me today my guest, Heather Townsend. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Heather Townsend who is with us from Crush Innovations. Heather has been talking to us in the first segment. She talked with us about the different mechanisms and the different methods by which mothers and nurses, for that matter, have used to warm and thaw milk. And so on this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the actual thawing and warming talk about some some steps and some ideal outcomes. But actually, before we go on, I'd just like to thank our sponsors today. I would like all of you to take a thought as to wondering, not not knowing maybe, but at least just wondering if the flange on your pump fits you. And if it does, go ahead and use it. If it doesn't, by all means, check out the folks at Pump and Pal. That's www.pumpinpal.com. The Pump and Pal flange is an alternative to the standard flanges. And what about what you're doing here recently with your own baby or maybe for somebody else's? Are you looking for bibs, books, bra extenders, burp cloths, changing pads, diapers, gift sets, pillows, or totes? If so, take a look at our friends at www.newangel.com. That's www.nuangel.com. So, Heather, as promised, we're going to talk to uh, moms today about the thawing and warming. And I would just like to say that 
as we talk today, we need to realize that baby on the breast, at breast, getting it straight from the tap, as my husband would say, is the ideal. But we also know that mothers pump and save their milk. And for the baby who is at term, healthy, etc., we don't need to worry about some of the finer points. So let's take on these relatively simple things. If I'm a mother and I'm at home and maybe I'm employed, but I've got a term healthy baby, tell us how we should be thinking about thawing and rewarming the milk. Okay, ideally if you're thawing, you want to take it out of the freezer and thaw it in your refrigerator 24 hours ahead of time. Right. But, you know, most of us don't always plan ahead as maybe as well as we should. Um, So at that point, what I recommend you do is you thaw or warm in a cup of water. Uh, Your home water system is very capable of handling this job. You don't need a large uh, hospital grade device to do so, especially with term babies. Right, Um, right. So you simply just, you know, get one cup of water, fill it with warm water, put your feeding in there, let it sit for three to four minutes, and then get a second glass. Fill it with warm water, let it sit for another three minutes. And at that point, after that time is up, you should be very close, if not, you know, as close as you can get to body temperature as possible. Are you going to be exact? No, you probably won't. Um, that's really only for this baby. It doesn't really matter. Right. Close is is close enough. Absolutely. And the one thing to remember, you know, people ask, well, how do I check the milk? The easiest way is just put the bottle up or, you know, volume feed up to your wrist. And if it feels almost, it's not cold, but it's not hot. It's just kind of there. Remember your body temperature. So it should feel relatively neutral at all times. You don't want a you don't want hot plastic and you don't want cold feeling either. You just want neutral. So Heather, you're suggesting that they feel of the plastic itself not dripping it dripping the fluid? No, I mean we, obviously I work in the healthcare setting. So we would never advise to to drip the fluid because that is a body fluid. At home if mom feels that that is what she wants to do, then, then she can do that. And the, and the fluid, too, should feel relatively neutral, slightly warm to yeah. relatively neutral. Thanks for making that distinction because at home, basically, I figure it came out of the mother's body anyway, and it's her baby and her kid. It, it, in the healthcare setting, it is a different story. Absolutely. So, so speaking of the healthcare setting, uh, in the NICU, generally, we have babies who are preterm or otherwise, I mean, they, they've got a problem of of some sort. So we're really trying to achieve the ideal temperature. So with preterm babies, why is it so important to get the mother's milk at the ideal temperature rather than the just close, you know, close enough is okay? Why is it so important to really get that precise? Okay, well, I'll use my niece as an example. She was um, four pounds, four ounces when she was born. And the goal with her was she needed to gain weight in order to exit the NICU. Yep. And so we know that feedings given below 90 degrees, the enzyme reaction that takes place in the body slows down. And therefore the baby has to work hard to, you know, warm up that feeding Therefore, they're actually burning calories, the calories they need to put on the subcutaneous fat that they were born without. Mm -hmm. Um, Our full-term babies are born with subcutaneous fat, that brown fat, Uh, but our preterm babies, they don't have that. And so the goal is they need to take in as many calories as possible to to gain weight. So we always want to make sure that our feedings are at least 90 degrees. Um, But we also want to make sure that they aren't too hot as well. So really, Heather, what you're saying is that we can either give the baby the milk 
at body temperature. Or we can give the baby the milk that's colder than that, but the baby himself is going to have to warm it up. And therefore, he's going to burn the calories just warming up the milk to his own temperature. That's correct. Um, I'll give a quick story. When I went through a weight loss program a couple of years ago, one of the things my physician told me was drink eight glasses of ice cold water a day. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that has to be because he wants me to feel full. You won't eat as much. <laughs> and what I learned was, yes, he that is a correct thought partially. But the other thing is we know from sports medicine that eight glasses of ice cold water a day for three weeks. So if I drink eight glasses every day for three weeks, I as an adult would burn at least a thousand calories, that subcutaneous fat that I don't need. Um, but our preterm babies, they need it. So as an adult, if I'm going to burn a thousand calories and I know that our, our baby's metabolic rates are almost twice that of an adult, they're going to burn at a much faster rate. They will burn at least 2000 calories in a three week time span, just warming up feedings that are given to them below 90 degrees. Uh, uh, Heather, that's a, statistic I'm not familiar with, they will build, They will burn 2,000 calories extra, really, in a how, in what period of time? Three weeks. In three so, weeks, mm-hmm. if the milk is not warmed at body temperature. If it's not at least 90 degrees. At least 90 degrees. Okay, all righty. Uh, that's pretty compelling. And you mentioned, by the way, that preterm babies have Uh, a much higher metabolic rate than adults. And you are absolutely correct about that. But I just also want to reinforce for our listeners that preterm babies have a higher metabolic rate usually than the term baby. So you're really asking this baby to burn a lot of calories basically just to survive. And that's not going to conserve the calories because you really want him to conserve the calories so that he makes better weight gains. Heather, talk to us a little bit about what is the thermal neutral zone because I think people hear about that sometimes. The thermal neutral zone is defined as 90 to 103 degrees, which is where, which is, uh, when, where the human body enzymes function optimally in the gut. So to try and keep this as simple as possible, biochemical reactions that happen uh, within the human body require human body temperature in order to, you know, have all the necessary reactions take place at the proper time um, within the gut. And so we want to make sure that our, our milk is always between 90 and 103 degrees. Now, I will say personally that your feeding really doesn't need to be any warmer than 100 degrees because 101, 2, and 3 in a little baby's mouth is a little hot in my opinion. So I know that when when I'm talking in hospitals, I really talk in terms of 90 to 100 degrees um, because that's really where you want your, your feedings to be at at all, at, at all times. Uh-huh. Uh, Heather, this is totally fascinating. I would like to talk a little bit about when the feeding is too hot. We've talked about too cold, but we need to go to a break. So for those of you who are listening, don't go away. Heather will be back. We'll talk about what happens when the feeding is too hot. And we'll also talk about, uh, well, there's a couple of aspects to that. So don't, 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 don't miss it. Don't go away. Alrighty, everybody. Uh, I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed here with Heather Townsend. We'll be right back right after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? 
Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here with Heather Townsend, who is talking to us about thawing and warming milk. I know that there will be a lot of you out there that will have questions. We're not able to take questions on the air tonight, but if you have questions, please use the email. Here's the address. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I'll repeat that. Radio at borntobebreastfed.com. If it's a relatively straightforward question, I can get back to you. If I don't know the answer, I will push it on to Heather. And Heather is a pretty speedy woman. She'll probably get back to you pretty soon. Heather, what can you tell us about bisphenol A? Well, what I can tell you is, you know, several years back, uh, the plastic manufacturers actually removed bisphenol A um, because they found that it was an endocrine disruptor and it was... uh, you know, they'd done studies to show it caused all sorts of problems within, you know, when human beings ingested it. And so they replaced it with something called bisphenol S. So we hear a lot about, well, your bottles and your volume feeds and your syringes are BPA-free, polypropylene number five, but we still have to make sure that we're not exposing those types of plastics to heat greater than 120. Heather, I'm not entirely following there. I know that there is polypropylene, polyethylene, polystyrene, and polycarbonate. Now, are you saying that the bisphenol A can affect the polypropylene if the temperature is high enough? Well, what we know is that... I'll I'll try and take this back a little bit. Nutritional warming is very sensitive to the type of heating methodology that you use. Um, And so for a long time, we've, the focus has been on, well, we just need to get, you know, to body temperature and we're good. Well, that's great for the milk aspect and make, you know, maintaining the um, uh nutritional components. Yeah. The milk aspect. But how you get there. And the method that you use for warming can play a role in really the end result of what you're giving your baby. Uh So 
what you need to what you need to understand or what listeners need to understand, I guess, in a very um, non uh, scientific manner, if you if you will, that the laws of physics will tell you that molecules travel from hot to cold. Uh-huh. So if you are aggressively warming that plastic feeding container using, you know, you've got a cold feeding, you've taken it out of the refrigerator, and you are putting an extreme amount of heat on that, well, you're going to pull chemicals from that plastic that are going to end up in that feeding. So you have to make sure that when you're warming, you're always warming in a slow and controlled method in manner so that you you keep the chemicals out of that baby's feeding. Because yes, uh, they have done several studies and there's more that are being done that have actually linked the chemicals from BPS uh, to childhood obesity. So they're already showing links and already showing that BPS, not, you know, we don't use BPA anymore. They took that out a couple years ago. Right. But BPA, and, and BPS isn't as well characterized yet as BPA. That's what they're doing the studies for. Um, however, they found that the chemical entity is very, very similar, and it's actually showing that it has greater toxicity profiles than BPA did. So while the studies are still going on, we need to make sure, especially if you, if the listener, if some of the listeners out there are in the medical field, the first precept in medicine is do no harm. And right, so we have right. to make sure that not only are we getting the milk to body temperature, but how we're getting it there is equally, if not more important, um, to look at. So, Heather, I want to back up several miles here. I want to say, first of all, there it seems to me like there are a lot of people, parents and, and providers both, who want to really hurry up and get this done because we've got a gazillion things in our life to do. But it seems like, in a very simple way, you're saying that the time that it takes to get the milk warmed, you're going to have to put a much higher temperature in order to speed the to, to get there faster. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. could we warm the, that feeding in, you know, 30 seconds to a minute? Sure, we could. But then we have to look at, well, what are the consequences that have occurred because we've done that? And really, the only way to warm that fast is to use a device that we shouldn't be using, which is otherwise known as the microwave. Um, it, it's, not a, it's not good. Um, fast is not always better. Well, Always. it's just like if if I put a, a a pot of soup on my my burner, it's going to take me, you know, I don't know, twenty minutes to warm it slowly. It's going to take me five minutes to warm it quickly. But I've got to put a heck of a lot more heat under it in order to get it to warm in the five minutes. Absolutely. Um, so it's the same principle. Same, very, very much so. The same principle, and depending on what type of warming method you're using. Sometimes you have to get, uh, you know, if you're using um, air or steam, you have to get those, you know, the air and the steam very, very warm and hot before you can effectively warm a liquid. And that just goes back again to that kangaroo care principle, which is very much attributing if you're using water as your energy transfer medium you don't have to get that water warmer than body temperature in order to effectively bring your feeding to body temperature. Because water is, or a liquid, is 24 times more efficient in the conduction of heat than something such as air, which is 24 times less efficient. So you have to get it very, very warm. And here's an example real quick that I give nurses when I'm talking in hospitals. I'll say, you know, think about when you're standing in your shower at home. Oh, uh-huh. When you're in your shower, you're warm from head to toe. But you get out, you go to dry your hair, and well, one side of your head is warm, which is where you have the hair dryer, but the rest of your body is cold. That's because air does not conduct that heat like a liquid would. Heather, we have only about one minute left, but can you quickly give us an example of uh, everyday cooking uh, kinds of experiences? How do we know that food leaches or into the plastics? 
Sure. Um, think about when, if you go home tonight, Marie, and you make spaghetti for you and your husband, and tomorrow you go to work and you bring the leftovers and your Tupperware, you're naturally going to warm it up in the microwave and eat it, enjoy it, bring your Tupperware home. And let me ask you, when you put it in, in the uh, dishwasher uh, after it's clean and you take it out, does it ever look the same? Never. No, it, it has that orange-reddish hue. That's yes. proof of the chemical reaction that's taken place between the heat of your microwave, your plastic, and that spaghetti. You consume I, something at that moment that you should not have. Same thing I just happens. Got I just got to tell you that that's why I got rid of that a long, long time ago because I noticed that just once in my life and I didn't know anything about chemical contaminants or plastics or anything, but I knew just at a gut level that is not right. And so we just don't ever warm stuff like that in plastic. I know at home I will use uh glass to rewarm because I don't understand the whole problem with the plastics. And I'm not saying plastics are bad. I'm saying the fact that I saw that once in my life was enough to spook me and I sure wouldn't want to be doing it uh, for my child. Heather, this is all just so interesting. Look at don't go away and you listeners, don't you go away either unless you go away to visit our Facebook or one of our sponsors. But <laughs> short of that, you got to come back. We'll see you in just a moment. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thanks so much for joining us this evening as I talk with you and as I have my guest, Heather 
Townsend with me. In the course of the last hour or so, we started out by talking about methods and devices that people have used for warming and thawing, whether in the hospital or at home. And in the second segment, we talked more about the actual warming of the milk, how to do it if you're at home. And we didn't really address the hospital so much as in the hospitalized situation. We talked about how important it is to have the the milk at body temperature, not too hot, not too cold. And in this last segment, Heather talked to us about leaching of plastics into the milk when the milk is overheated. So Heather, I think you've done just a remarkable job. In fact, uh, listeners, I should just tell you that at the break, I said to Heather, Heather, do you have like a degree in physics or chemistry or something or other? Because she can spew out all this data about how chemical reactions occur. Um, Heather, for those of people who might not have joined us early in the show, uh, what would be... like the first thing that you would want them as a take-home message to know, and even for those of you who have been listening, uh, what would be the first thing that people should glean from all of the information that you've given us here today? Well, I'll start with the mom um, or the aunt or the grandmother who has a baby in the NICU. Uh, Having been there myself, um, what I will tell you is that Look to see how they're warming your baby's feeding in the NICU. What are they using? Um, are, are they, they going they, out to the Keurig coffee maker? And, you, you know, if they're using a cup of water, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But you want to ask them, where do you get the warm water? Uh, if they say the Keurig coffee pot, give them my number and tell them to call me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you are your child's best advocate, so you need to look to see how they're warming. Uh, what type of warming device are they using? If they're using a machine, if that machine is putting out too, uh, if if the the heat is too great, then you know let's have a conversation. Um, yes. So first and foremost, look out for your child and make sure that how they're warming is the best way. And you can absolutely say if you don't agree with it. Please don't warm my child's feeding that way. Absolutely, because this is the mother's milk and she is in charge of her baby's care. Heather, you just reminded me that I skipped over the part about uh, using a cup in the hospital to warm Mm -hmm. the milk. And the mother very well might be noticing the, I mean, some hospitals just don't have money in order to use a device. So if the nurse is in the hospital and the baby is a premature or ill baby and she's using the water uh, the cup of water, what differentiation would you make from what you just told us about the term baby earlier? Well, what I would say is that the cup of water um, is not a bad thing. I would rather see them using a cup of water, excuse me, than using the microwave or some um, uh, high heat uh, warmer. Um, But what you need to make sure is that they are at least putting that feeding into a glove before they put it into the cup of water. So let's uh, say they've got the uh, little uh, 70cc value feed or they've got the uh, 70cc snappy or one of those products, then you're saying to put it into the glove and then into the water. Correct. You want to make sure that your feeding is always isolated uh from the water. That doesn't mean you can't use water. You absolutely should. It has been proven to be the best way to warm and transfer heat, but you want to protect the feeding from actually sitting directly in the water when you are, when your baby's in the hospital. At home, that's a different, different Different story. story. Yeah, you can be a little bit uh, more casual at home. But speaking of at home, Heather, can you give us a short list of do's and don'ts for the mother who is rewarming or thawing or rewarming her milk for a term healthy baby at home? A list of do's and don'ts. Okay. Um, Make sure, number one, that you try to plan ahead and thaw in your refrigerator for at least 24 hours. Yep. Um, 
use again don't put water in a cup and then put the cup in the microwave don't boil your water on the stove and then put your feeding in there that's way too hot, hot. Um, just simply use your tap water at home if you have a baby that has some uh, medical challenges uh, maybe you've been able to bring them home from the hospital but they still aren't perfectly well, they're not as healthy as that full-term baby, or even that baby that just came out of the NICU that went home um, happy and, and healthy. There are um, There is a product out there that you can rent um, that uh, will help you through those kinds of challenges. But really, by the time you take your child home, you should be able to use just your cup and water Water, Under um, most circumstances, water. that should do the job. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so did you cover all of the do's and don'ts that you can think of there for uh, the at-home situation? Or did I interrupt? No, you're, you were good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we part today, any other thoughts? You know, I, I would just simply say for the healthcare provider out there, Really look at what is your warming methodology. Are you comfortable with the heat output that is, you know, going onto your plastic feeding containers uh, as your method of warming? If you're not, uh, look at ways to to make that better because it really is for the best for these babies. Um, and for the mother at home, remember you're your child's best advocate. Oh, yes. And if you're not comfortable then you need to speak up and know that there are resources and people out there that can help you and help the hospital provide um, that, you know, the necessary information. So the real bottom line for either at home or in the hospital situation is do some critical thinking here. Whether you're the nurse that is looking at policies and procedures, or maybe you're on the uh, committee for capital expenditures, or maybe you're the mother at, that is coming into the hospital and watching the nurse, or maybe you're the mother at home, the real bottom line here is really do some critical thinking about whether or not this is the best for for this baby is this a breast practice is really what we've been addressing uh, Heather thank you so much for joining us this has been a really informative session I hope that everybody has learned and enjoyed but as usual the hour goes very very fast and that's all the time that we have today I'd like to thank Heather Townsend from Crush Innovations that is the Penguin people I'd especially like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Our guest next week will be Kathleen Kendall Tackett, and she'll be talking about postpartum depression. Meanwhile, here's your assignment. Visit my website. If you're a parent, you want to be at borntobebreastfed.com. And if you're a professional, take a look at my professional site. That would be www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. If you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I will be going to Baltimore, Dallas, and somewhere else shortly, and then after that I will be in Orlando. Again, uh, parents, www.borntobebreastfed.com, professionals, breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.